How you getting on? Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to the show. We're asking the question, Daddy or Chips, are you willing to put a bullet in your father's head for a bag of spuds? We have John on the line. John, how you getting on? I think it's disgraceful, Adrian. People killing their dads for bloody salt and vinegar chips. I can't believe it. Answer the question. What are you willing to do? Well, I love me dad, but I'm starving. Ah. <laughs> anyway, whatever. Don't even think about that. Don't even think about that bit, whether it was good or bad. Anyway, guys, you wouldn't believe it. Absolute scenes here, right? Recording the podcast, wearing a hat on top of my headphones. I've got the headphones on. I'm obviously speaking into the mic. And I have a hat on top of the headphones. I tell you, I wish this was a vid cast because uh, you tell you, you'd want it. It's like a hat out of the mask. Uh, it's like Stanley Ipkiss's hat from the mask. How are you getting on anyway? And how is your granny for slack? And how is your daddy for chips? This is Tony Cantwell's Shit Show, episode 14. And, uh, like everything, I've started off in a bad mood. I don't know if this podcast is good for me. I'm going to be honest. I view... I used to think of myself as an optimist. But uh, I listen to these, and I'm just shitting on everything all the time. I tell you, it's like a bloody scat party at Berghain. I'm shitting. <laughs> I've never been to Berghain. I don't even know if that's what it's, if that's what it's called. Berghain? Whatever. I haven't been there. I didn't go to a... a uh, late night Scott party in Germany. <sighs> Isn't it mad the way the scat man, whatever, he means the shit man. I'm the shit man. Skibbidibbidim my lotion legs. Skinny my link my lotion legs. Umbrella feet. Skinny my link my lotion legs. Bada bada badi papat skit skit skit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you like that? Do you like this fucking snails, snails pace podcast with me, Anthony? Do you know that? Do you know my name's Anthony? Well, it is. Tony's my nickname. I've had a lot of nicknames growing up. Tony was one of them. Uh, Boner, uh, obviously the most popular one that I've been called, Boner. Um, and the best part, the best part of the Boner nickname was it was a nickname I gave, I gave myself. I was like, hey, don't call me... <laughs> Ma'am, don't call me Tony anymore. They call me Boner. Everyone calls me Boner. Oh my God, Boner just hooked up with that Eastern European chick. Boner. And I would say Boner would be my catchphrase as well. Um, like, a, like a squirtle. I'd be like a bloody Pokemon. Boner likey. <laughs> And let me tell you how I introduced my friends to my new nickname of Boner. Uh, we, uh, my mom brought me and my brother to Disneyland. Hey, not to brag, child of divorce, uh, in the year 2000. Um, went to Orlando, and uh, first thing I did, hit up one of those strip malls. Got myself the baggiest pair of jeans I could. This was the year 2000. Actually, this is it. This is how naughty this trip was, right? Uh, on the way there, right... Uh, on the way there in the airport, on the way there, I bought the Mission Impossible 2 soundtrack. And on that was Limp Biscuit. Take a look around. Um, um, 
So they'd had a significant other, and then this was like significant other was big, but chocolate starfish and hot dog flavored water was when they were really going to fucking blow up, right? And the kind of the hit that kind of did kind of explode them was take a look around. So I bought the whole soundtrack, and it's actually a decent soundtrack. That was on the way over there. While there, in the year 2000, right, I also bought a baggy-ass pair of jeans, right? Had, like, fucking three pockets on it. Three pockets each side. And I also bought a big, uh, long chain to hang. A wallet chain, which I bought in the Terminator 2 ride in Orlando, in Universal Studios, right? And while there as well, in one of these strip malls, I saw an iron-on patch, a big, thick, plastic iron-on patch about the size of a chest and it had written on it a bone right it was a bone on it like a dog's bone like a a bone you would give to a cartoon dog and written in the middle of that it said boner and i thought class i am going to get that patch i am going to get my mom to iron it onto a t-shirt and i'm going to go around and i'm going to have that t-shirt and it's going to say boner and everyone's going to call me boner and I'm going to be there with my baggy jeans, my chain, and my t-shirt that says boner. And everyone's going to be cream jeans for Ireland. Cream jeans for Ireland. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know what I'm talking about. I tried to turn that into a song there, and I just uh, bailed. Um, and the thing is, they did start calling me boner, but I don't think it was... <laughs> it wasn't like they weren't calling they weren't calling it with me do you know what I mean they were calling it at me so and also while we were there my brother bought uh, the Marshall Mathers LP on CD I tell you great year what is it about nostalgia you know it's just all trying to get back to that I mean I also got a fucking went to my ma's picked up my Playstation 2 I'm like oh, man, I'm gonna play the Playstation 2 again this has been the missing puzzle of my life and I'll tell you, this is what we're trying to get away from, all right? And this is what's been grinding my gears this week. I don't know why I'm doing... I'm doing shit voices today. <laughs> I'm not doing good voices today. This is what's fucking grinding my gears, right? I always like to have something that I've been up to for the week. And this is what I've been up to for the week. I have been trying to get my car NCT'd, NCT-certed. And that's what I've fucking been doing. Right? You get a car. Let me tell you this, right? I'm taking my hat off. I don't know if I told you already. I'm wearing a hat. Looks like Stanley Ipkiss from The Mask. It's a big ye- yellow hat. And I had it over my headphones. I d- I've, I've recorded and re-recorded the intro to this podcast about 20 times. I can't remember if this is the version where I told you that I'm wearing a hat on over my headphones. Or if this is the version where I've foregone that. Right? Are we having a good time? <laughs> Are we having a good time? Anyway. We got a car, right? Uh, a, a, a Kia Soul. Or as I like to joke, uh, joke to my partner, Terry, uh, a key asshole. Hey, where did we park the key asshole? She laughs sometimes. And um, we have this Kia Soul. We love it, right? It's a lovely car. Nice and high, you know, for me, a learner. So great visibility. I love it. And it's slow as fuck, which I love. And I'm trying to pass my test, right? I'm even fucking bored talking about this now, right? I'm trying to pass my driving test. You see, I grew up, I was allowed 
to be very passive as a child. And that, 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 that would be fine. Right? So I kind of grew up thinking, as long as I don't do anything or say anything to hurt anyone, you can just be passive and it's fine. You know, like you could go to a party, notice that someone is there on their own, not talk to them and not help. Be passive. You know what I mean? There's something bad with being passive if you didn't do anything. If you sit down at a table and you finish your meal and someone starts taking your dish and you can be like, oh, thank you. Oh, oh my God. Oh, 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 surprise. Oh, my God. Thank you. Did you ever do that? Like, oh, wow. Oh, Jesus. You surprised me there. It isn't that I'm fucking lazy. It isn't that I'm too lazy to get up and clean my dish. Oh, it was just a surprise. Oh, I'm passive. Oh, you cleaned my dish. Oh, thank you very much. Hey, do you want a beer? I know you arrived here without a beer. Oh, my God. You surprised me. Oh, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I'm passive. I'm passive. Right? Being passive doesn't fly with my wife. Okay? And I fucking love her for her. I don't know. I don't. I'm not going to be. Sometimes I do. (laughs) She doesn't listen to this anyway, right? Being passive doesn't fly with my wife, right? So she, for years, has been kind of like, Tony, you know, I'm driving you around all the place. I'm driving you around everywhere. And you should probably be driving, you know? It's not a case like you have some disability here that means you can't drive. Or it's some sort of lifestyle choice, which I couldn't even comprehend. If you're going to be driven and you're not going to drive, I'm just being passive. I'm letting her drive me, right? But she's like, you can't just, every time you sit in this passenger seat, you're making a conscious choice to sit in that passenger seat and not, and, and not be on the path to learning how to drive, you know? So I'm learning how to drive because I want to keep my wife. <laughs> not she go, not she threaten me. She's not threatening me, right? She's not threatening me. Whatever, whatever. I'm backing out of this, right? Anyway. So I'm learning how to drive. And I booked my test, right? I, bu- I have my test on Thursday. This comes out on a Tuesday. In two days, I have my test. Feel free to send me some good luck messages on the social media if you'd like. I'll let you know if I passed or not. But to pass, I have to have my car up to scratch. My key asshole. My key asshole has to be up to date with the NCT. Only the NCT, and I'm fucking bored saying this now. See, this is the thing. <laughs> this is actually the thing. For how much of a fucking headache it is to try and book and my NCT, and getting it seen to, it's not interesting enough. Like, if you have something that's that big of a headache, and that big of something to occupy your time, your mind, your patience, it better be fucking worth it. Like, what have you been up to last week? You know, for the amount of stress, the answer better be something like, well, do you know what? I was chained to fucking Boy George's radiator for the last week. That's my life. That's my life. But no, and then, and as soon as you bring up your fucking NCT, sorry, I'm slurring, I'm fucking spitting venom here, right? As soon as you even bring up the fact that you've been trying to get your NCT, you can see it's like some, it's like an expression has tried to hit. It's like the a smile has hit the eject button. You see it on someone's face. What have you been up to? Ah, I just got my NCT. I am now officially checked out of this conference. I'm checked out of this. I'm checked out even telling you about this fucking NCT. It's just so boring. And you tell you, don't get a car, right? And don't learn how to drive. It's so boring. You think it's going to be all, hey, oh my God, babes, we've got freedom now. We can go. We're going to go to Dublin 8. We're going to go to the, the latest spot and get the cool new brunch. Well, we just go. Well, we just fucking get in the car and fucking go. We're going to go up to the mountains, babes. We're going to go out to the sea. 
We're young, we're free, we're gay. Me and my wife are gay. In this, whatever. <laughs> but it's not that. It's getting your fucking ends. And I'm sure, I'm sure I've lost listeners even bringing up the end. I don't even want to say the letters anymore. Anyway, I'm going to dress myself. I'm going to go up to the attic. I'm going to get those baggy jeans on, get the chain on, slap on the boner patch, play my PlayStation 2, and just reminisce about what it is to have no fucking responsibilities. They say it's the best years of your life, and they're fucking dead wrong. It was actually shite, but the NCT things just pissed me off. Hey, hey, it's me, Anthony, aka Boner. <laughs> now I know I'm probably divulging um, far too much information about my marriage, but um, we had a show on Friday. Uh, it was late night this evening with Tony Cantwell. We might be having another one. Uh, kind of a weird, uh, weird enough, weird enough talk show uh, where. Essentially, we had no guests, and it wasn't really that much of a talk show. Um, that sounds gas. But at one moment, with a bit of dead air, I um, I surveyed the audience because I didn't have a joke, and I asked them what they, whose side they would take in this argument, this world famous argument from me and my partner. Now, this is conflicting, right? But I want to I want to gauge here, right? What side? Maybe it's a bit of a conversation. You can... Whatever. Get on with it. All right, Gary. All right, Gary. So, a couple of years ago, when me and my partner were living in London, uh, we were coming back, and we were flying British Airways, right? We splurged one one Christmas. We booked them early enough to come back, so we were able to get British Airways. And... um, we got our, our boarding passes, right? And it said on the boarding pass, uh, one bag check-in and one uh, carry-on, right? So I thought, right, that means that we can get, because it has it on the boarding pass, that we can just go up, because it has it printed. We can check in a bag for free, and we can carry on a bag for free. Now, my wife said to me, why don't you check in advance? If, give them a call, because I do all the flight stuff, right? I do all the, I do all the bookings, right? She does everything else, and I do this sort of stuff, right? So she said, why don't you give him a call just to make sure. I know it says it prints, it printed on it, one check-in bag, whatever, one carry-on. I didn't call, right? I didn't call, and I assumed, do you know what? They've printed it, and I'm pretty sure by law, if they printed it on the board and pass, they have to go with that. So I'm just going to say that. If that kicks off, I didn't even think that. But you know you have a kind of thought in the back of your head where you're like, I'm going to be complacent with this because I kind of think I could say something if I was push comes to shove. So we get to the airport, right? And we go up and we have our bag. And we're like, well, we want to check this in. And your one says, um, that's going to be 50 quid each. And I said, well, no, I think you'll find it's not going to be that because you've printed on this thing one check in bag, one carry on. You've printed it. So, you know, retail law. Sorry, your problem, not mine. You got to take this bag for free. Cocky AF, right? 
and not fully even knowing if this is legal. I don't think it is. You know, just pulling stuff, pulling stuff out of my arse, right? Trying to be the big man in front of my wife, right? And she said, look, no, that's not the case. Basically, it means that you can check in a bag and pay, and you can bring on one carry bag, right? So I said, now listen, okay? I said something very petulant, right? I didn't go, I didn't go off. I wasn't rude. I just said something very spoiled. I'm going to tell you what it is, right? And keep in mind, I have stooped to many levels. Like, the worst me. The worst me there is, is a, is a me trying to get something from a, <laughs> from a corporation, either over the phone or something like this, in some sort of conflict like this, right? So I wasn't rude. And keep in mind, I have stooped, I have once faked crying on the phone, Right? <laughs> with with a with a, a phone company, right, to get some sort of insurance thing sussed. Um I have told as you know, I have told um uh phone companies previously as well uh that I uh I can't read so that I can't continue the correspondence via email. I've told you all this, right? So it shouldn't come to any surprise when I tell you that I stooped in this level, trying to debate this law, I said, Well listen, let me tell you this. My father, I said, is a solicitor, <laughs> which isn't true. I said, my father, my daddy, is a solicitor. So I'll have you know that legally you are, and before I could even finish the sentence, Terry goes, no, he's not. You're lying. He's lying. She shattered the unit, the force, right? So this is, I know I was being a big child, right? I know I sounded like a petulant, spoilt white kid where I say, my daddy says that, you know. My daddy says the law. Because we used to do all... Let me tell you this, right? We used to go to Thomas House, right? <laughs> Not Thomas House, sorry. Uh, what's it called? Where's... The Oak, right? What's the name of the bar? The Oak, Dublin. Uh, yeah, whatever. Just called The Oak. It used to be called something else. Whatever. For whatever reason, in a, for a hot minute, that used to be the best spot in town to go downstairs into the basement, uh, and they were having these, you know, good nights on. Um, dancing nights when I was a dancing boy um, in my early 20s. And upstairs in the bar, they had this gorgeous, old, ornate, hand-painted sign, right? And for the most part, they were using it for... So this had all the prices of all the the, the drinks, right? And they used to update it regularly. So when the pints would change, they would put a sticker over it and say, now the pints or whatever are four quid or five quid, or whatever it would go up to, right? But at the very top of the sign, they had port, right? And it had port, one euro 20 for a glass of port, right? And it was so high up in the corner that they hadn't bothered to cha change it, right? So me and my mates spotted that one night. We had come up from the basement, to where that there was a nice kind of old man pub. And we went in there and we said, Oh my god, look at that. Port is only 120. And so we said, Can we have five ports each, please? And man was like, What? And then he got the ports, 25 ports, and he put them on the counter. And I sound fucking so petulant, right? Now. He put them on the counter. You know, leave it, Gary. It's how you talk, right? He put them on the counter, right? 
And he was like, right, that'll be whatever. Like, that'll be, <laughs> that'll be hundreds or whatever. And I said, no, I think you'll find, sir, that will be probably about 28 euro. Uh, because look at the sign. And he goes, oh, no, what? No, that's, that's an old sign. That's, we have another. And, like, and then my mate Kieran was like, retail law, retail law. That, you have to give it to us at that price, right? That's up there. Everything else has a price. You would charge us the exact same price. So for one night only, we were fleecing the place with ports. We were la- <laughs> with red, tarred teeth. <laughs> we were fucking gee-eyed. And then we went out to the front, smoked one of those incense sticks that we used to get in the head shops. It was a crazy time. So he had also said that his auntie or something was a solicitor, which I think was true. And she had told him this, right? So I pulled this one out at, at, at London City Airport, right? And I said, my daddy's a fucking solicitor. And my wife said, no, he's not. Now, it turned out that your woman, outside of me lying about my dad being a solicitor, was willing just to give us the online check-in fee. I think because I kicked up stink. But regardless. But it was afterwards I was saying, it was like, Terry, I know what I did there wasn't pretty. But when we're a unit and we're standing up against the corporations, you need to defend everything. You need to defend me, right? When we go into a perfume shop and you spray yourself in a perfume that you say you're going to potentially buy, right? And Terry's a terrible liar. So one time we went into the perfume shop and she was like, she was like, oh, I wouldn't mind getting a bit of a smell. We were going out to dinner. And she was like, I might, might go in and like fake that I'm going to buy some perfume, you know? And then she's going to, I'll get a nice little douse of some spray. And, uh, and then I'll say, oh, I'll think about it and come back, right? I don't call her out and say, yeah, She's not coming back. She only came in here to get a spray to smell nice. She stole your perfume. I don't call her out on that, right? Or even when we're just browsing in a shop, oh, we'll be back. I'll just be like, yeah, no, we're not. Hey, shopkeeper of this of Irish design shop. Uh, I know my wife was looking at that and she said she's going to think about it and come back. She's not. She's lying to you. I don't do that because we're a unit. But she called me out. And look, I'm probably not saying this in the most unbiased way. Because when I asked them on Friday, everyone stood by me, right? So I suppose I have to ask the question here. Who do you defend? No, hang on, that's not the question. Who is in the right? And I'd love to hear your answers so that I can rub it in my stupid wife's face. <laughs> this has been a very Terry-heavy episode, isn't it? Bringing up Terry quite a lot. But you know what? I think it's quite apt. Apt. Because I am going to be talking about, on this show... Another thing to do with matrimony. I can't even segue well today. Right, doesn't matter. Listen to me. Look at me. Uh, I'm going to be talking about a show that I've been watching uh, called Love is Blind. Uh, Love is Blind is a reality show that's on Netflix. Now, I don't know. I don't normally watch reality shows. I don't normally watch. I don't watch Love Island. Um, but when it's on Netflix and, you know, the, the, the friends WhatsApp group is saying that they're watching it. You're like, ah, do you know what? I'll watch it. Because I love... I I tell you what I love. I love completely... I do like a bit of completely unchallenging TV. And this is fucking not it. This is actually a really tough, arduous watch. It's war, it's it's a tougher watch than uh, Schindler's List, I found, in terms of being uncomfortable. Um, eh, no, you can say that. Whatever, it's a film. Um, I'm not saying that what's happening in it 
is worse than what happened in history. So I'm going to give you a breakdown of Love is Blind in one of my patented TCTV reviews. TCTV review. Uh, and I'm going to talk about uh, Love is Blind. Now I'm going to be going episode by episode in case you haven't watched all of it. Um, and giving you a bit of a breakdown as to what has been going on. Hopefully I can make this, I'm going to try and do this as interesting as I can for anyone who hasn't watched this. I can appreciate when I'm kind of breaking down the Late Late Show or the Toy Show. You know, I can kind of do it in a way that you, if you haven't seen it, you still might be able to enjoy it. This might be a bit more challenging, but we're going to go for it. We're going to go for it, okay? Episode one. Well, no, firstly, let me tell you the, the premise of this show. Premise of this show is basically they want to find out is love really blind? If you can go on a date, if you go on a date with someone and you don't know what they look like and you build an emotional connection, they keep, they keep fucking saying the words emotional connection in this. You, if you tell you, if you haven't watched this, drink every time they say emotional connection, you'd be fucked, right? It's almost like they're again a cult. So, anyway, a bunch of boys and a bunch of girls are kind of how, do they kind of do the kind of speed dating. But they do it in these pods where they can't see each other. There's frosted glass in it. And they're not even speed dates. They kind of spend about an hour at a go. And basically, all the boys live in one house. All the girls live in one house. And they meet up in these pods and, you know, have these dates. And the whole idea is that they're meant to build a connection, propose to each other, and get married in the space of a month. Right? And honestly, it's fucking... The first, my, t- my first takeaway from this is that and I'm not having a go. But Americans are actually speaking a completely different fucking language. Like, this is like a show that seems like it was originally in Russian, overdubbed by Americans. Like, like I think Russians and Italians and Spanish and all these people, like, Europeans chat a different type than Americans talk. It's crazy that these that this actually constitutes uh, as English. So, what do I have? What do I have here? Um, I suppose the main takeaway from episode one is uh, they're having their dates. This guy, Barnett... He's playing a couple of girls. He's playing a couple of these. He's playing Amber. He is playing LC. And he is playing Jessica. Now, little does he know that by playing Jessica, he has set in motion probably the greatest and biggest and negative impact on this show. I'll come back more to that when we hear a bit more about Jessica. But one of the crazy uh, takeaways from this. Well, actually, no, firstly, we'll go in order. Everyone seems to be pairing off. There's a few kind of people kind of, st- you know, stepping out and stuff like that. Uh, there's one dude who's a virgin, uh, 31. Very brave, I thought. Must be hard. I say it's hard when you're a virgin. And you know what? This goes out to any virgins listening to this. And I'm, not, I'm genuinely not having to go because there was actually a couple of people. I'm not saying you're virgins, but there was a couple of people still in secondary school who were at my show on Friday. Uh, don't know how they got in. Um, uh, security there at Wigwam. Not great. Uh, you need to double down. Um, but anyway, uh, the lads came in, and most of them probably not virgins. They all seem quite attractive. Um, I'm not saying that these kids are hot. <laughs> Whatever. This is borderline unlistenable. Um, but here's a little tip for you if you're a virgin, okay? Stop focusing on the binary. And I'm not saying, like, gender or whatever. I'm saying the binary thing of... Am I a virgin or not a virgin? And when you break it down to like, am I a virgin or am I not a virgin? You kind of break down what is the turning point at which you stop becoming a virgin. And the point at which you apparently, apparently stop becoming a virgin 
is having a bit of penetrative penetrative sex, right? Everything else apparently is not important. Hand jobs is not a milestone. Blowies aren't a milestone. Hand jobs are the best. Not the best out of all of them, but they're great. <laughs> Guys, hand jobs are great. Oh god. So there's so much focus on this penetrative sex. And the last thing someone who has never had sorry, the last thing someone who has not had penetrative sex should be aiming to do is having penetrative sex. You're not going to be good at it. And as a result, you're just going to hurt yourself, right? And I just think virgins, if you're listening to this, hey virgin, if you're listening to this, just enjoy the hand jobs for a while. Do you know what I mean? Stop focusing on where to put it. And do not be using porn as a guideline. Whatever. Anyway, this guy was 31. He's a virgin. Uh, guess what? He didn't pair off with anyone. Fucking freak. <laughs> no, my... Anyway. The big takeaway from me was... Um, there's a couple, right? Cameron, who looks like a fucking neck, is a walking... He looks like a... He's got a massive neck. Uh, he looks like a Cardassian. Not Kim or Kendall. I mean, from Star Trek Deep Space Nine. The Cardassians. Type in Kardashian with a C and no H, and you'll see what it looks like, right? Um, so whatever, you know, he's, he's, he's a handsome enough guy. He's an AI engineer, right? Uh, more like, may I engineer? He's a handsome guy. Not my type, though. Lauren, um, and Lauren is a, a, a stunning svelte black woman. Um, and it's kind of like, they. whenever Nick Lachey... Oh, it's hosted by Nick Lachey. Do you remember Nick Lachey from 98 Degrees and his um, and his wife, Vanessa Lachey, who, on, to be honest, every time they showed up, uh, we just started booing the screen. Because they're, they're barely there, and they just set the premise that you kind of already know, and they're like, hey, I'm Nick Lachey. We're like, boo! It's probably not the last time he's uh, he'll, he'll be booed. Um, But they keep saying... You know, you don't know who's on the other side of the glass, you know, from where they come from in life, what race they are. Lauren's, Lauren and, well, no, I'm just kind of spoiling. Anyway, I won't get into that. There are other people of different races, but anyway, they don't last. I'm not having a go. I'm not spoiling, although I did spoil. Anyway, the th- the major takeaway from this is Karen, Karen, Cameron and Lauren, on their second date, she says... That she fucking loves him. On their second hour together, she says, Cameron, I think I love you. And then he starts crying and he says, he fucking proposes. And he says, we, got, we have to make this work. We have to fucking make this work no matter what. And I'm not going to lie, I started crying myself. I started crying mostly because I was so ashamed of myself for getting in on this, right? It, it, it hit me. All right, I'm not afraid to say it. Someone taking a big love chance like that, it hit me, right? And it actually turned out it would be the only time I would cry the entire thing, right? Um, but it was just also insane. It's like when I watch this Susan Boyle video, you know? Like, I'm, I, I start laughing and crying, and I can't stop. And I think I'm laughing to hide from the fact that I'm genuinely touched by it. But this was a similar experience. It was like, I can't believe what I'm seeing. This is so crazy. But hey, man. Love's crazy. Anyway, the last thing I have written here is Barnet rocks up 
Barnett wa- rocks up with a ukulele uh, and couldn't play a single tune. Um, fuck's sake, this motherfucker. So Barnett's a kind of guy who wears like a, a shark tooth necklace. And then he's chatting to all three birds and he's there lying on his back playing a ukulele. And they're like, oh, play me a song. He's like, I don't know any songs. Tosser. All right. Episode two. So we have Lauren and Cameron now who have paired off. Right. They meet each other. Yeah. Uh, and like they both seem still kind of into it but Lauren who says she has no issue with race seems to be bringing up race quite a lot seems to be bringing up the fact that he's a white guy I don't know how I mean he sounds like a white guy he either sounds like a white guy or <laughs> or a black guy doing you know the 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 white guy voice oh well I don't know about that sir I'm the they're not you know that kind of white guy voice that you see on the telly. Um, so yeah, uh, he. Anyway, she seems to, she, but you know, she seems to be into him. So we'll see how this one plays out. Um, Barnett, the guy, the fucking Klim in the ukulele. He's, he's fucking all American, Barnett. Barnett is messing with people, and he starts getting called on it. He starts getting called on it because he's acting. He's 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 chasing up two girls. He's chasing up Amber, the tank mechanic, uh, who's currently unemployed, but he doesn't know that yet. Ooh, spoiler alert! Uh, he is chatting up LC. She's got a big old face. That's my time of lady. Big face, splattered across a big head. <laughs> my perfect woman, and Jessica. Who is also who is also in the pods with a younger guy called Mark, who she seems to be interested in because he says he has a Christian tattoo. You see, this is what makes it interesting as well. This show is not so much about building an emotional connection, but more so what you have in common. I remember my brother telling me he had a girlfriend on the internet because she said she liked hamburgers, and he likes hamburgers. And I said, yeah, but like they're not your favorite. And he's like, yeah, but I like them. And so does she. Our boyfriend and girlfriend. I don't know if I should have told you that, but that's what he told me. <laughs> hey, like, come on. Like, do you know what I mean? And like, if you want to have stuff in common, like I like everything. So what, am I fucking everyone now? Is everyone my boyfriend? Why did I go with the boyfriend? Anyway, anyway, so Barnett is playing a load of girls and he's playing Jessica until it gets to a point where he starts pulling back because she starts kind of leaning in, being like, you want to marry me? Because this is where it's going. They have to propose and they get married in 30 days. So she starts leaning in. He starts pulling back and he says, I wrote this down, right? This is what he said. He said, I don't know what's going on in my head. I love my heart, and my heart is fucked. Like, all this this whole show is shit like that. I don't know what's going on in my head. I love my heart, and my heart is fucked. And, like, they, people start sentences not knowing where they're going to go because they realize this camera's rolling, and they can't just stop. You know, we would normally start, stop talking. They just don't stop talking. And you'd almost be like, Barnett, just repeat the words that you just said. Uh, my 
heart is a fish. So he gives her the cold shoulder. It's brr, hace frío, ta for urum, or whatever, ta for, on the shoulders. Um, which is terrible timing because Jessica just gave Mark the cold shoulder. Barnett's after giving Jess cold shoulder, I'm giving Mark the cold shoulder. Mark was doubling down. Jess, Jessica pulled away. Then she doubled down on Barnett, and Barnett's like, "Nope." And to be honest, I'd like to say Barnett dodges a bullet, but ooh. Anyway, we'll get on to that when we get on to that. So basically, when she that basically throws her into the arms of Mark, who is just a, a seems to be like a really nice guy. Yeah, he's a bit young. But he just seems really nice. In the same way all the other ones are kind of proposing, making it really grandiose. He's just like, look, you're someone I really like. I think we've got a connection. You're someone I think I could spend the rest of my life with. Will you marry me? She she says fucking yes as well, which is insane. Like third time fucking hanging out. She says yes. So they're paired off. Another couple who paired off, which I haven't mentioned, is Carlton and Diamond. Now, Diamond, unfortunately, was the, was the victim of a bit of bullying from Barnett. She went into one of the pods and... Um, she said, uh, "She said, hi, my name is Diamond. And he said, that's a stripper's name, which I didn't think was very nice. And um, Carlton, uh, they seem to have some kind of connection. Carlton is kind of, as Kevin McGahorn would say, has an upside down head in that he has a bald head and a beard. Um, and he is kind of a, he's kind of a poor man's Karamo from Queer Eye, except not a nice guy at all. Very short, not very stylish, not very cool. Um, but whatever, they pair off. I don't remember why. Boring, but it gets more heated with them later on. Anyway, we're getting on to this. Then you have Giannini. Now, Giannini comes out of nowhere. She also similarly has a big face, right? Big old face. Um, and she is, um, she's been going on these regular dates with this guy, Damien. Now, Damien. Damien seems like the sort of guy who would be, you know, when you go on, you know, when you're really looking forward to going on a stag and there's like a guy who kind of has to go. You know what I mean? And look, I've been that guy as well. I've gone to my my uh, brother-in-law's stag. He very politely invited me. I went. I was that guy. Not really part of the group. But, you know, when you go on a stag or you go on a, a trip, even a hens or something like that, or a girl's trip, guy's trip, and you're like, oh, well, I, ha- I had to bring Damien just. I feel like he really needs this, you know. He looks like a guy who really needs this holiday, you know. So Damien's there and he just can't believe. It's almost like these people can't even fucking recognize a personality. It's like someone says something outside of the facts. It's like someone says something outside of literally just being so dumb as to describe the room in front of them. Hey, how you doing? There's a wall and there's a couch and there's a chair, you know. If someone's like, hey, what did you do today? They're like, like a personality. Oh, my God, I'm in love with you. Or, you know, what are you most scared of? I've never I've never opened up like that before. And all the guys seem to be saying, I just want to meet a girl where I can be myself around. Like what fucking stifling? I just, you know, maybe we take it for granted. Maybe. Hey. Maybe those Garys over in America are even beefier than they are over here. Big, beefy, sexy Garys. Anyway. Seems to be getting on with Giannini. 
Giannini Milady Jabelli, right? And they seem to be getting on pretty well. And Damien seems like he wants to pop the question. So he gets <laughs> fucking Rory's advice. Remember Rory? Fucking loser. <laughs> the virgin. No, I don't think that's the same guy. Anyway, Rory, the guy who we never see again, gives him advice, says you should go for it. So Damien walks in to the pod to propose to Giannini. And I couldn't believe the fucking state of this thing, right? He goes in and his heart's beating out of his chest and he's like, Giannini, what is your full name? And she goes, Giannini Milady Jabelli. Or whatever. And he goes, Giannini, I asked them to put a box in the pod with you. Is there a box in the room? And she picks up the box. Yes, there's a box. There's a box. Okay. I want you. I found a box. And I put in it all the things from my life. This is what he's fucking saying, right? I found a box. And I put in everything. Pictures and letters from my life. Notes from my brother, my father. And all of my travels. Will you open it? And she goes, okay. And she goes, and he goes, what's inside? And she goes, nothing. And he goes, that's right, nothing. Because I don't want to give you nothing. I want to give you everything. So I emptied the box and took the bow off the box and put the bow on my wrist. Because I am the box. I am the gift. Like, what the f- I'm not even making this up. What the fuck are you- And she's loving this. Oh my god, he's now a box. It's like that episode of The Simpsons. He's a box. This is incredible. And she goes, and he goes, so I have a bow on my wrist. Will you marry me? And then the end of the episode. Pause. Episode three. She doesn't say anything. And she goes, no. And he's like, what? And she goes, stand up. Will you marry me? And he's like, oh, okay, I kind of get it. This is the first telltale sign that she's a little bit, she kind of likes to kind of, if there's something dramatic, she kind of she kind of wants to spin it in her own way, so that it's kind of. I'm not going to say she likes a bit of drama, but he kind of even the way he's relieved, but he's kind of like, <laughs> "What are you fucking around me for?" And this won't be the last time. So then Barnett, the u- the not ukulele playing shark tooth Clem, is um. He has to decide. Is it Elsie with the big face or Amber, who used to have a job? <laughs> What's going to happen? And you know what? Barnett, he shits the bed. Goes with Amber. Not that there's nothing wrong with Amber, but Elsie had a big face. And I think that's a real shame. But then Elsie is kind of like, am I so unlovable? Am I so unlovable? And she starts crying. And it did hit me in the, I don't like even, I don't like the fucking saying hit me in the feels. But I was like, all right. It's not nice seeing someone feel like they're unloved. And I'm sure she's going to clean up after this. A face that big? It's like that thing from uh, the day-to-day. Headmaster barred for using big-faced boy as satellite dish. Um, So then you start seeing them fucking pairing up, right? This is a big one. People are pairing up. You have uh, Diamond and Carlton. He leans in for a kiss. She backs away and goes, okay. And then you have, um, you have Amber and fucking Barnett. And I tell you, 
They're good-looking people. They're 100% going, fuck. And it's nice to see good-looking people giving each other a hug. You kind of forget how stupid the two of them are. No offence. <laughs> well, it is offence. They're both stupid. By my standard. <laughs> whatever. They both seem pretty stupid. <laughs> but they seem attractive, so whatever. And then similarly, um, you've got Mark and Jessica. Mark's a younger guy. Jessica's the older woman. They both look good. Chemistry looks like it's kind of there. They're all pairing off. So now these are the couples. This is who we have. We've got... Jessica and Mark, Barnett and uh, sorry, Jessica and Mark, Barnett and Amber. We've got Kelly and Kenny who come out of fucking nowhere. Kelly and Kenny are just having really boring chats. They both seem really boring. They don't really show them courting, but they see them proposing. It seems like the person who was actually recording it, like Big Brother on the night, just hit forgot to hit record. Like boring, 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 boring. Oh shit, he's proposing. Record, and that's all we see of it. Boring. Um. They go to Cancun, right? They go to Cancun, Mexico. And then Nick Lachey pops up again. Welcome to Cancun. Boo! We started booing at him. What the fuck is he doing on the TV? I mean, everyone deserves a second chance, but whatever. We just didn't say... For something just seemed off. We were involved in these personal relationships, and then it's like, boo! Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, so, what do I have? I have a note here that says, yeah, Cameron and Lauren, this nude's neck coming out of his vet. Vest looks like a Cardassian. That's I've already said that before. Uh, excuse me, bit of a yawn there. Um, so you got Carlton and Diamond, and Carlton seems to be acting like a bit of a different guy. He was acting all bravado to the lads, but in the pods he was kind of being sweet. But here with Diamond, he seems to be trying to give her a bit of a neg. He says, right, he's got a hat on that says Daddy. Right. And this is the thing. Carlton is a bit insecure because he hasn't confessed. Not that this, I feel this needs to be a confession, that he's previously been in bisexual relationships. He's been with men. Uh, for whatever reason, he thinks that's going to be a big deal and is hiding it from Diamond. Right. So he's kind of, he kind of seems to be, he strikes me as a closeted man who wants to have a family. And doesn't know any way of having that by being a gay man. That's just the vibe I'm getting off him. You know that vibe? <laughs> That's the vibe I'm getting off this guy. So he's acting all this kind of bravado in front of Diamond. And poor Diamond is taking the brunt of all this negging. He says stuff like, and it's shite. It's clangers of a neg. He says stuff like, uh, hello, Mexican police. You need to take this girl away. <laughs> and clanger. Not working on her. Um, and he says, she says, oh, um, are you wearing, what are you wearing that hat for? Daddy. Because it says daddy. You're trying to show off? And he says, yeah, I'm going to get a hat for you that says do not fucking touch. She doesn't seem to like that either. Double clang or she doesn't like that either. Anyway, cutting to G and Damien, Giannini. So Giannini is DTF. She clearly wants to fuck, and this motherfucker looks like he just fucking won a competition. He looks like he won a competition, and he doesn't know how to communicate. She is clearly trying to say that she wants to have sex with this man. And I, I, I don't get the pairing. Whatever. She's into him. Whatever. I'm not having to go. But she seems to be making it pretty clear that she, she is DTF. 
and he is just uh, like a deer in headlights, doesn't know what to do, right? And they're eating dinner, and she's like, oh, I'm not hungry. And he goes, oh, you're not hungry? Are you sure you don't, you don't want to have dessert? And then she says, I'm the dessert, right? And it's like, oh, wow, whoa. And then you think, right, they're going to go to the bedroom now. Cuts to him eating a fucking ice cream on his own. Idiot. It reminded me of that line, that horrible line. The most cutting line I think I've ever heard in anything in TV is that line in Peep Show where your man says to Mark, when you want, uh, he says to Mark, you know, you could have your cock inside her and he still wouldn't have the balls to fuck. <laughs> oh, man, it's horrible. And that's what reminded me of this guy. Anyway, not as you know, I wouldn't be as harsh, but you know, he seems to be just a little bit timid. Not having a go. Anyway, sure. Um, you've Mark and Jess. Oh, so now Jessica's saying that he's too small. You know, now she's saying he's too small. I mean, it was bad to begin with because she obviously was a bit heartbroken from Barnett. She doubled down on a fucking marriage with a small guy who was ten years younger, and now she's acting up. Even if she's going to follow through with this whole wedding, do you not think he's going to see this? This is what fucking annoys me. I was saying this on the Q&A previously, in a couple of episodes previous, where someone was like, someone asked me a question, how do I ask the girl out I like in work? And I'm like, stop prioritizing your feelings. Do you know what I mean? I gotta be honest with my feelings. I just have to be honest. He's unattractive. I, I can't, can't just not be honest. He's an ugly guy, and I don't like him. I don't think there's anything wrong with being honest now. Do People who tell it like it is are assholes, right? Keep it in. Keep it tucked in. Like a like a like a boner you don't want anyone to see. Tuck it up your fucking belt and pull your t shirt down. So anyway, she says he's too small. Uh Amber and Barnett, um, they're having the ride. Carlton then confesses that he's a bisexual and a deeply, deeply, deeply unstable man. Diamond is not okay with that. Um, and this is the thing. There's a couple of things. There's a couple of things that come up here that are a little bit problematic. Now, this guy Carlton is a cunt, right? Um, like he's an asshole and he's a jerk, but he's a deeply unstable man, right? Who clearly, I think, was raised to really love his family, really want to support, have a family, but is a gay guy and can't really come out, right? Um. But she is not okay with the fact that he's been with. You see, this is the thing. Is it okay? Is it okay? I mean, I suppose if you're choosing a partner for life, you know, you can kind of be a bit more specific than if you're going into, like, she's. it's not like she's walking into, she's not voting in a referendum to prevent anyone getting with anyone. She might want someone who is 100% straight. Maybe there's no issue with that. Maybe it's homophobic. I don't know. But similarly, you know, you got... We'll come to that. We'll come to that when we cross it, right? Come to that when we cross it. Anyway, Carlton confesses he's bisexual. Sorry. How long? Jesus Christ, I've been talking for ages, right? <laughs> Let's go. I tell you, I hope you watch the show. Because if you didn't, then... Fucking... You're, you're going to be bored. Um... My I might throw a bit of Star Wars in there in a, in a, at the end of this. Someone asked me to, to chat a bit about the recent revelations in Star Wars. Anyway, we'll come to that in a second. 
We've got another fucking eight episodes, no, six episodes to get through, right? Anyway, yeah, Carlton. Seems like a gay guy. Throws his hat in the air, right? Um, Episode four, Kenny and Kelly. Boring, 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 but whatever, I wrote here. Yeah, they just seem like a pretty basic American couple. They seem like a couple who you see, you keep seeing in the resort. If you've ever been to a resort or even just a hotel that has a pool. And by the third day, you're like, oh, hi, how you doing? I'm kind of bored of just chatting to my wife, so I wouldn't mind chatting to you. You seem pretty basic. Nice, but basic. Um, Lauren, no, whatever, that's not interesting. Lauren and, and, and Cameron seem to be having a good time, right? But they just keep saying, we have a passion. We have a physical bond. Everyone, nothing's internal here because there's cameras running the whole time. So everyone has to be like, we have this incredible emotional connection. And whatever, it's just boring. Carlton and Diamond blows up. He calls her a bitch. He says her wig is coming off. This dude's an asshole. This dude is an asshole. And, you know, but she's clearly not happy with the fact that he's been with guys. And they're the only couple who part ways, um, who decide to part ways. She goes home. He's a bit of an asshole. He's probably shot himself shot himself in the foot, I was going to say. He shit on his own foot. And they go their separate ways, probably for the best. Um, later on, they meet the other couples. And you think, right, this is going to get exciting because Jessica used to really fancy Barnett. And she's thrown, thrown herself into the arms of Mark, a guy she doesn't like and is not having sex with. Uh, and everyone else seems to be having these passionate relationships. Is she going to fuck Barnett? Turns out she's too much of a fucking... She's, she tends to get a bit too drunk and can't even follow through with a basic seduction. But that comes up later. The lads are then bragging about sex. Damien starts telling the story about the dessert from earlier on. About how she said she was the dessert. And i got to be honest, he sounds like that fucking... The, he sounds like the 40-year-old virgin. He sounds like that scene in The 40-Year-Old Virgin where Steve Carell is trying to fake the fact that he's never had sex... That he's had sex. He's trying to fake the fact that he's never had sex before, that he's a virgin. And he says stuff like, where they're talking about breasts. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I love titties. So, yeah, that's great. Oh, yeah, you know when you just touch a breast and it's, oh, you feel it. And it's just like a, oh, like a bag of sand. And they're like, bag of sand? Are you, are you, are you fucking virgin? Damien sounds exactly like that. Uh, later on that night, uh, after she's seen Barnett, Jessica starts getting dry with Mark. Um... And also, I should just say, I've never seen anyone put away so much fucking wine. Every time Jess is, Jessica is on the screen, it seems like the wine glass is getting bigger. To a point where it looks like, literally, there's one point where you can see her whole head in the size of the wine glass. This woman is putting away wine. She's a busy woman. She's a career woman. You know what I mean? That happens. Is this interesting at all? If you haven't seen it, whatever. All right, I'm going to steamroll through this, right? Episode 5. Episode 5. Giannini starts racking in this, starts fucking doing the whole, hey, what are you thinking about? And, you know, Damon's like, oh, nothing, just having a good time. This is great. We're having, a, we're on a boat. This is fun. You know, it's just nice to get away from everything. And Giannini's like, what are you getting away from? And Damon's like, ah, nothing, just, you know, getting away from the pressures of life. And she's like, what kind of pressures of life? What, what's wrong with your life? She starts asking loads of questions. She's far more attractive than he is, so I think he should answer. That's what I was saying to Terry. But um, she just won't let it go. And he starts getting clammy up. Like it, It's clearly, it's clear these two have 
two completely different ways of communicating and uh, eventually he's revealed that this motherfucker this motherfucker is kind of taking a load of sick days that he shouldn't and he's he could get sacked from his job she seems to be happy he just opened up I'd be scared um Amber starts pissing on Barnett. That's what I wrote here. Oh, yeah, they meet up again. And um, uh, Amber starts pretty much pissing on Barnett, making it clear that that he's her man and is backing up on him and blah, 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 blah. Boring, boring, boring. Episode six. They move into the worst fucking gap I've ever seen. So now they have to move in together. They've had a pre-honeymoon. Look, I'm going to steamroll through this, right? I'm just letting you know. All right, anyway. Um... They move into a shit gaff, some shithole. Fucking Nick Lachey shows up. So Nick Lachey shows up and starts giving the spiel. Being like, you're now going to move in together. We've seen love is not necessarily blind. But can it stand the test of time when people move in together? And like this whole like pre-planned kind of spiel. And then as soon as he finishes, he's like, okay, see you guys later. Bye, bye. Best of luck. Okay, bye, bye, bye. And they're like, bye, 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 bye. Just really jarring difference there. Kelly and Kenny, boring, boring, move into their gaff. Uh, she goes off to a conference, leaving Kenny on his own. So basically, Kenny moves back to a gaff that isn't his own, and he's on his own. What's the fucking point? Um, uh, Amber starts revealing she's got some fucking student loan debt. Uh, something that basically, because he's marrying her, he now acquires. And she doesn't seem to give a fuck about it. And he's like, you've never paid it back? And she's like, nope. And I got credit card debt. Yo. And she's saying it like so matter of fact. Like laughing about it. And he's like. <laughs> Jessica starts to feed her dog some wine. Oh God. This is just so boring. I'm sorry guys. I'm sorry. No I'm going to finish. Right. I said I'd finish. If you've watched it. If you haven't watched it. You probably stopped listening. If you have watched it. So this woman. Jessica. Starts giving her dog some wine. She's pretty much trying to bully this young fella. Out of a relationship with her. She doesn't want to be with him, right? He's a bit younger. He seems like a nice guy. He actually is a nice guy. He's actually quite good for her. But she starts bullying him, calling him young, saying that he keeps talking about his mother, which he, you know, he does. But, like, you know, he talks about family. That's what she fucking loved to begin with, was family. And she feeds her dog an even bigger glass of wine, right? At first I was feeling for Mark. Do you know what? But this guy's dumb. This guy's a dumb man, right? Amber decides to have a birthday party for Barnett. She invites everyone, all of their best friends that they met last week. And Jessica is desperate for Barnett. And again, as I said, she's too drunk to make it to do a good seduction. So basically she starts saying stuff like if she was with him, that he'd be a much smarter, eloquent, lovely man. She lays it on thick. Starts saying shit to Barnett like, hey, nothing will ever break our bond. And I know you've got a very uh, physical relationship with Amber, but nothing will beat our emotional connection. And he's like, yeah, we're friends. He's as fucking dumb as anyone else. And But like the mad thing about this show, right? Nothing about it is tongue-in-cheek. Everyone is, everything is taken at face value. So one day Jessica will say, I, I, I'm so attractive, passionately attracted to my fiancé, Mark. And then to someone else she'll be like, I just don't like him at all. I just cannot be attracted. And then then, I, and then later on, you know, to say something completely different. And especially when people get really drunk here. People say stuff like, like people are just taking it at face value. Anyway, whatever. Whatever. 
I'm going to fucking steamroll through this. Anyway, uh, Damien tries a joke and it clangers. It clangers. He tries to make a joke about Lauren. Lauren's like, oh, that's an awkward thing to say. And he goes, well, I like to be awkward. Giannini cannot handle a joke not going well and leaves. And uh, they have a massive fight. Back in the flat, Jessica is shit-faced. And she keeps talking about how much she loves Giannini. She says, Giannini is the best girl ever. And then Mark, her fiancé, Jessica's fiancé, says, Well, hey, she can't be the best girl. You're the best girl. I guess she's just the second best girl. And Jessica's like, what the fuck are you saying? She's the second best girl. That is so fucking rude. And she's like smiling. That's so fucking rude. Well, And she's like livid. And then she says, well, I just want to let you know, I think Barnett is sexy and hot. And then Mark is like, fuck you, sleeps on the couch. Drama. A bit of drama. Episode 7. Sorry about this, guys. There's only three more episodes, right? Episode 7. Giannini. <laughs> Maybe this isn't even a popular show. Just everyone, everyone, all my mates were talking about it. Maybe, you know, people, people were watching this, right? It's fine. We're almost there. We're almost there. Giannini. Damien is angry that Giannini stormed off because his joke was a clanger. And do you know what? You can't leave someone there picking up all this bit of scrap metal off the floor. You know, you need a unit. Like with Terry. She left me. She clangered me. She clangered me when she said that I actually wasn't a solicitor's son. You got to stand by the clangers. You got to stand by the unit. Anyway. Um, uh, so, yeah. So there, this is the post-mortem of the scrap of the night before. And Giannini gets up and she says, Hey, remember when I said that, remember when you, you know the way you keep telling me, you know she says it, right? She says, hey, you know the way you keep telling me I'm the best sex of your life? Have you ever realized how I don't reciprocate the compliment? <gasps> oh my God, Damien the chap who looks like he won the comp, the, the make-a-wish child, is not the best sex of your life. What? Mr. Frosty is not the best ride of your life. And then she, then she whips out, you know the butterflies I used to have? I've lost my butterflies. I've lost them. And then he clumsily does fucking Cobra Kai, sweeps the leg, knocks her on her back, says he knows how to initiate a bit of love because she says he never initiates it. And he tries to sweep the leg. Later, his parents flake on seeing them. And you know what? Considering, because they're meant to meet up and his parents don't come, and considering the fact that family's the most important thing to me, doesn't bode well for the wedding. Barnett visits Amber's house also and has a, a weird realization that some people are poorer than him. Yo, Amber's area is in a kind of bad place that you know, bad part of town. So, um, I suppose it made me realize how I got to appreciate what you have. <laughs> it's like he's like, like his own little personal chokra box. Um, episode eight, right? Second last episode, the penultimate episode. The hosts show up again. Boo! Nicholas Shay, get out of here uh, at the bridal wear store. Uh, Jessica is freaked. She tries on a dress. It doesn't automatically make her love her fiance, and she starts to cry. Then she decides to meet up with Barnett, and this is where it gets fucking weird. She brings up the conversation, or he brings up, rather, 
the conversation that they had at her at his birthday party, right? Where she was kind of like laying on how she had regrets about him not picking her, right? And it made it very clear that that was the case because she laid on very thick. And then she's like, what? I'm so surprised you took it that way. What? Fucking Wallace and Gromit spacer, this woman, right? Barnett comes home, meets his fiance. Or, you know, he comes to work, meets his fiance, who doesn't work, who he just realized. And he's like, uh, hey, what did you do today? And she goes, hmm, drank a bottle of wine. <laughs> what a life. And then she asks him for money for a dress. Um, Mark decides that him and Jessica, after their fight, after she said that she fancies Barnett, something needs to be done. They need to get back to the way they were back when they were in the pods. So he decides that they're going to have a lovely dinner by eating in separate rooms on the floor. I tell you, you can ro- put rose petals on anything and make it romantic. We're going to eat our dinner off the fucking floor. It's going to be great. Are the rose petals there? Yeah, class. You know? He'd be like, oh, babe, what did you do? Well, when I think of you, babe, my heart just flushes with love. Like a toilet. So I thought we could drink soup from the fucking toilet. Okay. You see the rose petals? Oh, babe. Put rose petals on that and make it romantic. Like toilet soup. Anyway, Kenny and Kelly, boring, 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 boring. Kelly says she's had a trouble orgasming. Interesting. Kenny pulls that face, which is like... (laughs) Yeah, well, maybe previously, but I'm a, uh, I'm an expert in that. He pulls a face like he's like he knows what he's gonna do, um. But she they still haven't had sex, and she's now starting to say stuff like he's not her type. The dead set couple you thought were gonna get together. Maybe not. Wait, not penultimate episode. This is actually now we're getting into the last episode, right? So then. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right, it's actually quite a lot in this episode, right? Jessica's being a spoofer. A spoofer with all her friends. Starts talking about whatever, that she fucking loves Mark, that he's the best thing that's ever happened to her. Spoofer, they can smell bullshit. Damien gets another fucking box with nothing in it, right? Uh, and he has a dress. Yeah, there was nothing in the box. There's a little note. Wasting boxes, this guy. Um, He makes a big gesture. He makes a big gesture. By uh, booking a helicopter, uh, has a red carpet, and honestly, like I couldn't help but think this motherfucker is like he won a competition. And then he, they're up in the thing, and he's like, "I'm here for her. She needs me. She needs a crutch." It's like these people do not know how to give a compliment. Um, Barnett says. Oh my god, this is where he keeps fucking flip-flopping. This is this is the perfect example of if you ask Barnett to repeat what he just said, he wouldn't be able to, right? He says, my friends know me so well, they don't know me at all. Yeah? Follows that up with, yeah, I'm sarcastic and I'm serious. What are you talking about? Oh, everyone. Where was there? Where was there? Uh, everyone is drinking uh, gold goblets of wine. Honestly, they can't get the wine into these guys quick enough. Um, and uh, Damien, I wrote here, Damien is going overtime trying to find those butterflies. He's like a fucking villager in Animal Crossing with a net, this guy. Um, 
Cameron starts to brick it because Lauren might not be fully committed. A stripper shows up, they're allowed to touch him. That's not okay, I wrote here. Amber freaks out, I'm marrying my best friend, whimpering as fuck. Kenny and Kelly starts revealing she's not that into him. More of a best friend vibe. She's normally into brunettes. And I wrote here, what the fuck is wrong with people? Are people so stupid that they see a hair color and they're like, well, I can't visualize how I could be attracted to. What the fuck is wrong with people? Well, I normally go for someone who's an inch taller. So you're not that, which means I can't be with you, I guess. Anyway, um, camera. So these, sorry, I should say they're at their bachelorette and bachelor parties, aka Hen and Stag. Cameron's mates are there, and they genuinely look like Homer's nerd friends from college. Um, Mark bets everything that he's gonna stay with Jessica. Loses it. Uh, they start affectionately referring to Jessica as Messica because she's a bloody mess. She approaches Amber, trying to clear the air because she's been very directly trying to get her fiancé. And she goes, look at me. You know me. I won't go after you, baby. And I'm just thinking, both of these motherfuckers shouldn't be on TV because Amber is just as pissed. And she says stuff like, I would have broken your fucking nose if you were to actively go after my husband. I would destroy your life, she says. Right. Next day. Giovanni, Giannini, and Damien's wedding. Um, and then this is what's weird, right? So it comes to the wedding, wedding ceremonies, right? And we're coming into the last episode. The priest who is given the ceremony, so they have a wedding, they're all in different venues, the families are there, they're all getting dolled up, they're there, they're walking in the aisle. The priest gives a kind of get-out clause at the ceremony, and it's like on brand, the whole thing. We're here to finally figure out whether love is blind. You know, do you take this person to be your lovely wed, blah, 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 blah. Uh, or do you want to leave now? Like a fucking get out clause. You can leave now. Leave now and forever hold your peace kind of vibe, right? Uh, so Giannini says yes. And fucking Damien... Right, we're getting to spoiler territory here. Damien, Mr. Fucking Make-A-Wish, says no. He slaps away the giving hand and says, Do you know what? Give me the terminal illness. She is not ready, he says. She runs away and falls on her arse. And then very, uh, which I should probably have more to say about that, but, you know. Like, she was kind of playing with him. You know what I mean? And even afterwards, her ma runs up to her and is like, you should have said no. You should have said no. You should have played him, you know? And then she very uh, dramatically, as is her fashion, rips a bit of her dress and says, hey, here's your fucking bow back. The one he was wearing on his wrist when he was a box from earlier. Next up, you got Amber and Barnett. She is so close to this motherfucker's face, I'm waiting for him to say no. But he doesn't. He accepts, he consolidates all of her debt. And against his family's wishes, especially his brother, they tie the knot. I guess it was meant to be. Kenny and Kelly. 
who were 100% in love, who were 100% the couple. Spoiler. Kelly says she's not in love with this motherfucker. She says, I'm not infatuated with him. I'm not in love with him. And this is what annoys me, right? Leading up to this, she was like saying, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. And her family are like, I think we've seen who you've normally gone out with, Kelly. I think you should fucking, you know, he's 27, she's 34. Biological fucking, you know. And uh, they're like, I think you should go with him. I think you should go with him. And she's like, "Eh, I don't know. And her sister's like, "Ah, I suppose you'll know when you're up there. And that's what everyone keeps saying. Yeah, I suppose I'll know. I suppose I'll just know when I'm up there. Do you know what I mean? I'll just fit. Just whatever, whatever you feel. At that particular time, just go with it. Don't second guess whatever emotion you feel. This fucking, this isn't a fucking Eddie Rockets menu. You have to know before you go. If you're going to fucking marry them. But whatever, Kenny, guess, get this. Class act. Stays up there while she fucks off. Thanks everyone for coming. Says he loves everyone. And even Kelly's man's like, I fucking love this guy class act um what else what else um um anyway she's you can kind of tell that kelly's gonna say no actually in advance because i noticed kenny was kind of giving her a nod saying look it's okay it's okay because she was pulling fucking faces jessica and mark jessica and mark jessica And Mark, the man, she has said out and out she does not like. She does not fancy. And then arrives on her own, walks herself down the aisle on her own, wastes everyone's fucking time and says, no. Thanks for nothing, Jessica. Thanks for nothing, show. If it wasn't on Netflix, I wouldn't have watched it. I give Love is Blind two stars. But three, because I got to talk about it with my pals. And hey, isn't that the real love is blind? Whatever. Good night. Goodbye.